are so grateful that you are joining with us on our podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are a church here in Salt Lake City, and we invite you to connect online at lifechurchutah.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, good morning, everybody. How did everybody survive that blizzard, as I would call it, this morning? I woke up this morning, and it was nice where we were at in Harriman, and Looking out the window, and I just felt like I woke up in Utah and drove back to North Dakota. So it was a little bit uh, sketchy outside, but hey, I'm glad everybody is safe and everybody is here. So yeah, I just wanted to give uh, another shout out to the people who just helped out with the food share. It just really made me just get really emotional seeing those pictures. I really love the heart of Life Church and serving the community, community and the blessing that everybody is here. So Again, just thank you for your faithfulness and your serving. It's truly just amazing. Give yourself a hand for that. It's awesome. All right. You guys okay if I talk a little bit this morning? Is that cool? All right. So hopefully everybody had a great Christmas. I know I woke up this morning. My stomach was making uh, its own uh, music this morning. So (laughs) we had a great Christmas. We had a great time. Uh, Just the other day, my kids and I, we went out to the aquarium because we had a really fun time just, you know, they got to see Santa, they got to see, um, you know, just the big setup that they had there. I got to eat some ramen, which was sweet. That's always a good day for me. And uh, as I were heading there, you know, I've been to the aquarium like, I don't know how many times, like three, four times or something like that. But I always, always, always plug it into my phone. I always have my GPS going. Who relies on their GPS when they're going around town? Okay, that is me. My sense of direction is about the, the, the lack of hair on top of my head. It's pretty much little to nothing. So I rely so much on my GPS when I'm going around town. I remember, gosh, maybe like 10, 12 years ago even, you know, GPSs, they were around, but they were like really expensive. They didn't really have them on your phones. And there was this thing called, it's uh, paper. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's paper. No, I'm just playing. But I would go to Google Maps and I'd print off my directions. And I'd literally, you know, you're not supposed to read while you drive or anything. But again, my direction's not very good. So I would always have, I always have Google Maps printed right next to me just because I just, I needed something to always guide me. I always needed something to give me that sense of direction. And there was this time that um, my parents, they have some hunting lamb up, up in northern Minnesota by the Canadian border, eh? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I'm heading up there, and I'm like, it's dark out. I don't really see super, super, super well on the road. Uh, when it's dark out, my sense of direction, again, goes even more than that. And uh, I'm heading up there, and I'm like, I don't need Google Maps. I don't need any directions. I'm going to make it up there. And I start realizing everything's starting to look unfamiliar. And I'm just like... Okay, I don't recognize these grain towers. I don't recognize this. Oh, I'm on a gravel road. This is new. I had no idea where I was going. So I call my dad and I'm like, dad, you know, it was hunting season. We take about a week off to do that. I'm like, I'm a little lost. I don't know where I'm at. And our terms of endearment in our family is typically, he's like, well, where are you at, putts? I'm like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know where I'm going. I went 20 miles the one way, the wrong direction. Then I had to turn around and go 20 miles back Yes, my dad eventually did guide me right on the, uh, the right path. But there's a story in the Bible that I want to tell you about, about these wise men who, they had to do some traveling. They had to travel. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have Google Maps. Nothing like that. The one thing that they had is a star. They had a star to guide them, to point them in the right direction, in a town called Bethlehem. And where I want you guys to open it up is if you can go to Matthew chapter 2, We're going to start right away in verses 1 through 4. If you have your physical Bibles, awesome. If you have your phone, it is not a sin to have that open if it's on the Bible app. If it's not the Bible app, we'll talk later. 
I'm just kidding. All right, so let's start with uh, Matthew verses 2, 1 through 4. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? I actually want to point out something really quick. Is when we're reading through these, vor- these verses, it says King Herod was disturbed. But it doesn't just say disturbed. He says he was deeply disturbed. And there's a reason for that. He hears there's, he, he hears there's a new king. It's a king of the Jews, but he hears there's a new king coming. So what does he do? He gets threatened. He wants to eliminate Jesus. Just like King Herod, I don't know if you knew, he eliminated his own family because he didn't want anybody else to take over the throne. So then he's thinking, in his mind, there's a new king that's going to be coming to town, so I need to do what I can to eliminate him. But man, he's going to have a rude, rude, rude awakening. Let's go through verses 5 through 11. It says, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. When Herod called for a private meeting with wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And then when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too kind of sitting on a throne of lies on that one. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, the chi- they, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. When they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, so you see, you hear about these wise men. The wise men were healthy, or wealthy, healthy probably too, highly educated Gentile magi. And when you read the scripture at this point, you actually read that. It doesn't say they meet him and he's a newborn baby. They say Jesus is a child at this point. So you know Jesus is a little bit older. The wise men, they travel to Bethlehem. And remember, they don't have GPS. They don't have iPhones or Android, whatever you prefer. They don't have nothing like that that they're traveling off of. You know, they, they, they dabble in astrology and all that kind of stuff, and they just know from the, the, the signs in the sky, the star in the sky. And we know geographically from where the wise men were that they had to travel hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. We don't know exactly, but it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles on foot, donkey, however that is. They didn't have like a Toyota or anything like that. They were just like, hop in, fellas, and they just started going, you know. Think about that. Think of how far they had to travel. But when they get there, I want you guys to notice something. The star didn't rest above any castle where Jesus was born. It didn't rest above any castle or palace or fancy hospital. Jesus didn't need all these treasures around him to be born. He didn't need all those treasures around him. Jesus, he came to this earth humble, humbly. He came to this earth in the flesh as a humble man. And Jesus really could have came in any form that God willed it. He could have came as an angel of any mighty stature that God could have willed for him, but he came as a newborn baby. 
Think about that. He came as a newborn baby. You can't get more vulnerable than that. This was truly a reflection of God's heart. In Proverbs 29, 23, it says, a humble spirit will obtain honor. A humble spirit will obtain honor, and Jesus truly, truly models that. So as the wise men bring frankincense, myrrh, and gold, you know, these were gifts that were truly fitted for a king. These were gifts that were fitted for a king, a king that was born in a dirty manger, a place where animals were kept. Do you imagine being born in a place where the animals were doing their business and eating? Again, humble. He came humbly. Now, usually when you think of being born in a major, you see this wooden box with like this beautiful hay just like laid into it and all of that. But in reality is, is I'm going to actually kind of show you a picture of what he was probably born and then laid in afterwards. You know, we have this image uh, that it's a wooden box, but it was probably a stone. It was probably made out of stone. You know, when a lot of theologists dig back into the Bible, they're kind of looking at, you know, the things of what we kind of make them out to be and then what the reality is. And can you imagine laying in that thing? Having to lay, I mean, I'd get a bad neck cramp. But anyways, it says, you know, a manger, if you don't really know what that is, is it's a, it's a lawn open box or a trough for horses or cattle to eat from. That's what it is. That's how they fed their, their horses or their cattle. But Jesus was also born of a carpenter in Nazareth. And Nazareth is not Park City. It's not known anything like that, anything like nice or any. Nazareth is not known as like some place to be really fancy, really wealthy, or anything like that. And that's where Jesus comes from. Now, I want to show you, I'm going to have the kids interact here in a little bit. I want to show you a different king that we talk about. And he's a made up king. So, if we could really quick, if you don't mind, throw up the next picture. I want the kids to get a little active real quick here. Just shout out what movie this is from. Lion King, all right, all right. So this is The Lion King, and I absolutely love this movie. It's, I, I just do. But anyways, so we look at The Lion King, and I'm just using this as an example today, is we have King Mufasa, you know, the big mane. He's not bald like me, but he has like this big mane and all of that, and then he has his son Simba, you know, as they say. He's like Simba, and he raises him up. And then you have Scar. You have Scar, who is the uncle of Mufasa. But here's an issue. Is Scar is a jealous man. He kind of reminds me of King Herod, to be honest with you. He's kind of reminded me of King Herod. You know, there's somebody next in line to take the throne, and he doesn't want anybody over power over him. Even though it's his own nephew, he doesn't want anybody else to take control. So what does he do? He stages Mufasa's death. And then when he stages Mufasa's death, he blames it on Simba. And then rightfully so, Simba, he runs away in fear because everybody thinks Simba did it. And when he runs away in fear, things start to turn bad in this, bad in this land, in this kingdom that Scar is starting to run. And then you might have heard of Nala. She's the, she's, she's the friend of uh, Simba. She runs and she goes and finds Simba. And Simba at this point is older in his life. And he realizes how bad it's getting from what Nala is saying. And he's like, okay, they need a savior to defeat this darkness. They need somebody to eliminate the threat. So what does he do? He goes back. He challenges Scar. And then especially he is like, oh, you're the one that killed my father. And he defeats him. 
You see, Simba may have went in not knowing the results of the battle, but I want to tell you something. We as children of God already know the results. When you read this scripture, we know Jesus has already won. We know that Jesus has already won. When the enemy tries to attack you, when you are in those moments by yourself, realize that we have a more powerful king. We have a more powerful king who gave us a promise. The promise he gives us new life. The promise to give us a better life. The promise to fight the enemy when he thinks he can win. This might be a spoiler alert, but when you read to the very end of this, of this amazing book that I'm holding right here, I want you to realize that the enemy's already defeated. The enemy is already defeated. Look to your neighbor real quick and say, the enemy's defeated. Don't get, let's get too uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, awesome, awesome, I appreciate it. So after the wise men left, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And when he appears to Joseph, he tells, he tells him to go to Egypt. Go to Egypt because King Herod wants to eliminate him, wants to take him out. And I never thought of this before. When you were reading through the scripture, the place that God delivered his people from plagues, he sent his son to protect. Have you ever realized that before? I just realized that this week. The place that God delivered his people from plagues, he sent his son to protect. God can fulfill promises in your life right now and right here. You don't have to be in a glamorous place. He didn't send Jesus to anywhere fancy, to any palace. No, he sent him to Egypt. A lot of times we go into the new year thinking, you know what, I'm going to wait for the new year to be a better person. We go into the new year thinking that we're just going to completely change. We go into the new year thinking that God will meet us in 2022. You know, God, God will meet me in 2022, but 2022 is just a number. You can become a better person right here, right now, with the right mindset and the right heart. You don't need 2022 to make you a better person. You need God to make you a better person. But you might ask, like, okay, so why do we wait? We wait because we're too comfortable. I'm guilty of that. We wait because we are too comfortable. We wait because we are too comfortable. We get too comfortable in our season in our life. We get too cozy. We, we just get into the rhythm of our life and we just push it off until 2022. I'm going to start reading my Bible more in 2022. Read it more now. I'm going to pray more in 2022. Pray more now. It doesn't hurt to get an early start. I'm going to hit the gym in 2022. I'll wait till 2023. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just kidding. As Jesus, as he gets older, Jesus is sitting with unclean people. Lepers, those who are hated or who wouldn't even accept religion. He would touch the people who have leprosy. That was a big no-no back in the day. You didn't touch people who had leprosy because you probably were going to catch it. But Jesus healed them. The people that the community, that the towns just thought were castaways, Jesus went to. Jesus loved them. He healed them. He prayed for them. And Jesus can heal us the same way. Jesus wants to live in that promise. Jesus wants us to live in that promise. But here's the issue is oftentimes 
We talked about how we get so comfortable. We get so comfortable that we deny the promise. We run from the promise so we deny the blessing. Don't do that. Don't run from the promise. He gave us the promise for a reason. We run from the promise so we deny the blessing. Look who Jesus chose to be his disciples. At least four of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman government. Simon, he engaged in politics and anarchy to overthrow the Roman government. Jesus didn't say, I need the best people in all the towns to help me spread my word. No. Jesus said, I need people who have seen some things. I need people who are broken. I need people who are struggling. I need people who are unthinkable. He needs you. He needs me. Jesus has called us. So as you can see, the Grinch is a grumpy old man. The Grinch doesn't understand the joy behind Christmas. He doesn't understand why families are getting together and just having that time with one another of having that fellowship and having that feast and having that joy. And he thinks it's all about the terrible neckties as he states in the movie and all that stuff. The Grinch just doesn't get it. The Grinch thinks true love is coming from these expensive gifts. But that's not what it's about. Now I got one more picture for the kids. I want them to shout out if they know who it is. Okay, not the Grinch. Do you guys know the name of the girl? Ah, Cindy Lou Who, yes. So Cindy Lou Who doesn't give up on, uh, on Jesus. She doesn't give up on the Grinch. She doesn't give up on anybody, really, if you look at this. I know the movie's not about, per se, Jesus, but I'm talking in context of the movie. She sees the Grinch as somebody else who needs to have love. Somebody else who needs to have the joy that she has in her life. The Grinch thinks that he's not worthy enough to be a part of Whoville. So he looks to destroy their joy, as if you, if you watch the movie. But by the end, Cindy Lou Who showed him compassion and love, and she accepted him. It didn't matter to Cindy Lou Who. She thought everyone was worthy of that joy. And as you see at the end of the clip, the Grinch finally understands. We talk about planting seeds in people, and God's going to water it. She planted that seed of joy in the Grinch, and he came to this realization Jesus could have chose whomever he wanted. He could have chose anybody. But he chose his people for a reason. He chose his disciples for a reason. Just like God chose Mary, who everybody thought was a nobody, but Mary was somebody. She's a huge part of the promise of God. Why? Because she was willing to accept the assignment that God has given her. Do you ever feel like you're a nobody? Like somebody not worthy enough to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Knowledgeable enough in the scriptures? I don't know enough about the scriptures to share it with somebody. I'm telling you, no, you are somebody that can do that. God has given us his promise, a gift from the true king. Jesus chose his 12. But you want to know what Jesus said to his disciples after he had risen? In Matthew, let me read this to you real quick. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Y'all, it's the Great Commission. 
make disciples of all nations. Not some nations, of all nations. He doesn't say, you can only make disciples in the United States. That's where we're only worthy enough. No, 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 no. He doesn't say, teach people who are only worthy enough for God's word. He doesn't say, only go to the upper class and make disciples. No, he says, teach the disciples. Teach all nations. Teach all nations. A disciple is a personal follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to look any fancy way, any fancy degree, nothing like that. A disciple is a personal follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus is telling his disciples the promise is now your responsibility. The promise is to be shared with everybody. You guys, this is too good to not share. This word right here is more powerful than any book we're going to read. But Jesus says, my children, he wants all of us to come to him. I have a couple questions for you. Is, will you take on that promise? Because the responsibility is on us now. The responsibility is ours. It's up to us as children to share the good news with everybody around us. The good news with family, with coworkers, and yes, even strangers. I find in my own life that sometimes to be able to share the gospel or the, the scriptures is the hardest in my own family. I don't know why, but sometimes it's the hardest in my own family. Am I, am I afraid to be judged? I don't know. I don't know why. But when Jesus said, make disciples, we are the disciples. We are called to speak into people's life through God. And I ask you just to be that willing vessel, that empty vessel right now that God can just pour into you so that you can go into the community and make disciples. The arrival of the promise. I love how Pastor Rich titled that. The arrival of the promise. And I see that in this church with how we serve the community, how we just talk to each other in the hallways, how we greet one another just by the amazing leadership of the Wootens. I can just feel that compassion towards people. The arrival of the promise, of the free gift that we don't have to shop for. The free gift that we don't have to wait three to four weeks from Amazon to deliver. This is same day shipping. It's not next day. It's the gift from a king. And this is the arrival of the promise that we don't have to earn. We don't have to earn this gift. God has given it to us. And I mean, I don't, when I mean that, when I say this gift that God has given us, it's for everybody. Not one brother or sister is pushed, pushed aside. Not one brother or sister is excluded. It doesn't matter how you look, where you came from, what's going on in your life. It is for everybody. And I want you to remember that. When somebody is making you frustrated, still remember they're a child of God. Because trust me, I get frustrated. Like Pastor Rich said not too long ago, when somebody cuts me off and bang at her, oh, Lord, help me. But it's important to realize that we need to have that compassion and that love for people. So my question to, you, to those of you in here today, those maybe watching online, 
is are you willing to accept this free gift? The promise of the salvation that God has given us. It's December 26th. You guys thought you had no more Christmas gifts. You got another good one coming. God has a lot more in store. It's the gift of a true king is what this really is. Are you willing to receive that? Maybe you've already received this gift, and if those of you are sitting there right now and you will be receiving it, I got one last question that goes to this, and I am challenging myself when I say this, is when you receive the gift, are you now willing to make disciples? Are you willing to step out of the comfort zone to share into somebody's life? Are you willing that when you start to get uncomfortable, to say, okay, God, you're trying to use me. When God tells you, go pray, go pray for that person over there. Go pray for them. It's uncomfortable. It can be. Some people have the gift and powerful prayer. They'll pray for over, every, over everybody. But I even struggle at times where it's like, go pray over that person. It's like, oh man, I don't know them, but I've learned to be obedient. I've learned to be obedient to what God is calling. So are we willing to make disciples? That promise is on us now. So if you can bow your head and you can close your eyes, I'm gonna ask you two questions. The first question is if you've come into Life Church today, you're watching online, and if you've never made God the Lord of your life, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've backslidden, and you said, I need to just, God, I need to get right with you, can you put your hand in the air, please? This is simply not to judge you, not to judge you at all. What this is for is to see who we are praying for. Thank you. Thank you. This is going to be the best decision that you make of your life. And the second thing I want to pray for you about is maybe you're hearing this call from God. But you're too comfortable in the season that you are at and you're saying, God, make me uncomfortable. I'm raising my hand for this one too. Can you put your hand in the air? Awesome. Awesome. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for giving us your grace. We thank you for sending your son to be born of a virgin, to give us new life. Father, we recognize that we're not made perfect and we have sins, so forgive us of those sins. We believe that you sent your son to die on that cross, to shed his blood to make a new covenant so that we could be in the kingdom with you, God, so that we could be made new. Let the old us pass away and let us become new in you, Lord. Father, we give our life to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, now I want to pray for the second thing, one last thing. Father, we go through seasons in our life where we get too comfortable. Maybe we're not reading the word more. Maybe we're not worshiping more. And maybe we start even to get thoughts of, man, I don't feel like going to Bible study today. I don't feel like going to church today. Change our thought process, God. Change our minds so that we can get uncomfortable, so that we can grow in your word, that we can grow in your love and your grace so that it's so effective to those around us. Put somebody in our path, God, that we can speak life into. Make us a willing vessel after your heart so that we can further the kingdom of God and that we can show what the true love of Christ is really about. 
So, Father, we just lift up Life Church and those in the community around us to have a hunger, a thirst, a stronger heart after you. We declare this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much for being here today. Those watching online, drive safe. Hopefully the roads are not icy, and we will see you guys next Sunday. God bless everybody.